This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Leia Healthcare. It's good to live. Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry. Welcome to the Real Health Podcast with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. As ever, every single week, we aim to give you tips, tools, and tricks to live a healthier lifestyle. And this week, it's no different. Don't forget, we're also in the Dublin Podcast Festival on Friday the 28th of September. There's a couple of tickets left, so go on to dublinpodcastfestival.ie and you can book your ticket for what's going to be an amazing night in Dublin. We're going to chat all things health, we're going to do practical things, we're going to have amazing guests and keep an eye on all our social channels because we'll do some ticket giveaways over the course of the next couple of weeks as well. So it's Friday the 28th of September and dublinpodcastfestival.ie. On today's show, I'm delighted to be joined by lifestyle and food blogger, vegan and now author, Holly White. Holly, welcome to The Real Health Podcast. Delighted to be here. Thanks for having me on. How are you? Couldn't be happier, actually. Uh, It's publication week. We had a great launch yesterday. And it's just, without wanting to be too cliche, it's it's really surreal. It's kind of a whole new chapter has opened up. Boom! Exactly. Um, And was the proudest point of the book seeing it on the shelf in the bookstore? Or what was your proudest moment of, of, I suppose, of the whole process? Do you know, it's like, it's everything in terms of even, say, for example, on the book shoot. And I actually, I did a little vlog on my YouTube about showing all the kind of the behind the scenes. And it's really, it's kind of amazing when, like, I did all the recipe testing myself in the depths of January, February. And I was hit by the snow, which was really lucky coming close to my deadline. But you're doing everything in isolation. And suddenly I found it kind of amazing on the book shoot, seeing, like, we worked with a photographer and another stylist. And also then we had someone assisting in the kitchen. And... It sounds bizarre, but actually seeing other people like make make my recipes and bring like in terms of with the book, I was very conscious of the photography and I wanted everything to look very new, very contemporary, very clean because I think vegan food, there's so much color kind of naturally in it. And it's amazing when you have an idea in your mind and you hope that you're on the same page. But when you actually see it on a screen and you're like, we're there. So if I'm honest, it's actually been a series of really lovely moments rather than just one sort of peak. So I'm on cloud nine quite consistently at the moment. So let's start with the vegan thing. Um, I want to first of all explain to our listeners what is a vegan because there's lots of different misconceptions there's lots of opinions and let's uh, let's clear that up once and for all what is a vegan basically a vegan is it's not just your diet it's actually it's your entire lifestyle so basically what you are trying to do is exclude any form of unnecessary cruelty or use of animals throughout your entire lifestyle. So say if people were quite extreme about it, they might disapprove of um, going to zoos. Most recently, actually, Ireland was one of the first countries in Europe to ban the use of live animals in circuses, which is amazing. But again, that's something that over the years, vegans would have said that's not okay. So it's not just about your diet. Obviously, things like wearing fur, thankfully, that's not in fashion, but it's not just focusing on what's on your plate. It's actually how are you living your life and how is it impacting animals. Okay, so it's wider than just the food component of it. It's a it's a lifestyle, it's a way of living, it's a way yep. of supporting a way, you know, people. Uh in terms of food then, so it's no meat. No meat, no eggs, no dairy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. 
Um, and it's popular, isn't it? It's become very, very trendy over the last kind of year or so. Being a vegan amongst teenagers, amongst yeah. celebrities, has become I'm kind noticing, of a trendy thing. I'm noticing a lot at my events um, of teenagers. And I think the key thing is, is that, say, for example, at events, there might be a teenager and then a mother. And the teenager is sort of saying, I want to throw everything out of the house. And then the mum is going... I don't know if you're healthy, I don't know if you're eating well, I don't know how to even create these kind of foods. So what I love to try and do is bridge the gap as much as possible. And um, I've done a lot. I personally became vegan over four years ago from watching a lot of documentaries and really researching. And I highly recommend everyone to watch, if you can stomach it, Earthlings. And also Cowspiracy is amazing. I've then, seen that, yeah. Yeah, which is really, really, it's, it can be tough to watch, but I do think these kind of things are important. And then books like, say, for example, The China Study yeah, or Forks that. Over Knives really focus on the health impact of this diet. And for me personally, I became a vegan because I was watching a lot of documentaries. And I think we're all conscious of climate change at the moment now. And the reality is that we cannot be sitting waiting for governments to change policies. We have to almost take control in ourselves. And I think even simple changes like people using, um, whether it's keep cups or saying no to plastic straws or things like that, they're simple changes, but you'd be amazed at the impact that they can have. And, and again, they became trendy about oh, four, five, six weeks ago. All of a sudden, it was like we, we all woke up and there was a movement of, okay, let's go for keep cups. Let's go. For, let's get rid of the yeah. straw. Let's do that. Just became a huge headline for the sp in the space of about maybe for about two weeks altogether. Yeah. And again, on Pembroke Street, I'm there all the time. Our gym is. We would see people walking in the street with the keep cups became the thing. Yeah. And all of a sudden, everybody had one, and it was like the thing. So it, it's it's part of a movement. It's part of a trend, and it's becoming more and more uh, popular, I suppose. And I also think a lot of those kind of trends, as you say, I think they were socially started. And I think nowadays we're living in an era where everyone can have a voice and. I believe that everyone has an influence, whether it's in your family or with your co-workers. And I'm very grateful, obviously, to have my own platform across different social channels. But I do feel that whatever it is that I share and do, there has to be something that's for the greater good. Like, obviously, I don't make any money off promoting Keep Cups. But for me personally, I feel like it's a good thing. And exactly mm -hmm. as you said, now these things are kind of becoming trendy because I think it's so important to try and make and sort of somewhat glamorize being eco-aware, being conscious, because again, we cannot just sit and wait for policies to be made at a top level. We really do need to kind of take this into our own control. So let's pull it back to food. Let's yes. talk about your own food journey. Yes. Uh, were you always vegan? Were you not? No. Uh, in terms of on, on a career level, was there a pressure to be a certain way, to eat a certain way? Was there, were you influenced? So let's talk about your own food journey a little bit. Um, no. Well, obviously, you remember I used to train with you. And I was thinking about that coming in here. Carl is a very good trainer. <laughs> Some of the <laughs> toughest moments of our, But back then, when I would have been training with you, which is in my mid-20s, um, no, I would have eaten a lot of... I probably would have eaten quite a lot of meat. Dairy never hugely agreed with me um, but personally I was kind of subscribing to the fact that you know this is good it's healthy to eat lean and to be honest looking back I think a lot of the food that I ate was quite plain whereas now like when I made the transition to uh, becoming vegan the key thing was that I needed to learn how to eat and it sounds really surreal but we all grow up almost by osmosis maybe seeing someone at home cook a shepherd's pie or make a spaghetti bolognese or obviously a fry up and then suddenly when you pair it all back it's like oh wait I need to learn so fundamentally once I realized I was committed to this lifestyle I started learning as much as I could and I did 12 weeks in raw food mastery and learned all about fermentation and kombuchas and kefirs and raw chocolates here in Dublin and then I went over to London to the World Food Cafe and I did vegan chef training there and then also I'm just back from Los Angeles where I did another uh, course in Plant Lab which is run by a guy called Matthew Kenny and it's 
absolutely phenomenal. And then as I kind of started sharing a bit more content online, I'm also certified in plant-based nutrition from Cornell University. So I felt like, especially if I was going to be sharing, because people kept asking for recipes and tips mm -hmm. and demonstrations, I needed to understand. And equally, if you're putting recipes out there, um, a big belief of mine is we should never stop learning. And the only thing guaranteed in life is it's going to, you know, things are going to change. But if where possible, try and learn from the best. So not only was it a decision to eat a certain way, it was a whole re-education. Yeah, completely. In terms of how to prep the food, cook the food. And it was a whole kind of realignment, I, I suppose. And I think also really um, coming back to what felt right and true for me. And I think um, like there's so much policy and there's so much sort of doctrine almost about you can only get your calcium from meat. Beef is protein. And the thing is that whilst all of that, it simplifies things for a lot of people, it's really important to broaden our horizons and go, wait a minute, why do we traditionally always just have a, you know, have a roast on a Sunday? Why do we associate only having cereal with milk in it for breakfast? Because there's so many different options in terms of different cultures they eat in so many different ways all around the world. And I think for me, like what I consciously kind of wanted to try and do was switch off from all of the advertising, switch off from all of the dogma and actually got what feels really right and ultimately no matter what diet book you read there's none that doesn't say don't eat your vegetables like mm -hmm. any diet that's based fundamentally on rich healthy fresh produce is always going to be a step in the right direction so i started with that and then grains lentils pulses you know things that were simple and it was just about finding exciting interesting ways to cook them and it amazed me because um we went on honeymoon to thailand and within a few days of being there, I had to do a cooking course because I couldn't get over how good, how tasty the food was. And it was all completely vegan. And people kind of think, oh, my God, chickpeas, tofu, how boring is that? But, you know, spices can really enrich things. So there definitely was a little bit of education. But personally, now I feel like I eat a much more varied, exciting kind of diet than what I would have eaten before. And the big thing I suppose people talk about when veganism comes up in the conversation is yeah. protein. Yeah, Big buzzword at the moment, it has know. been the last couple of years. It's all about your protein and your macros and all this kind of stuff. I know. When it comes to being a vegan, where are you getting those protein sources from? Uh, what are the best ways of getting them? Uh, and are you getting enough? Uh, I think the most important thing for people to kind of remember and is to do a little bit of research like simple things such as like lentils gram per gram actually contain more protein than beef and like one of the dishes in the book that i love is a vegan shepherd's pie and it uses loads of lentils and then also i use a lot of nuts like walnuts again are absolutely incredible but there generally is protein in everything but i do think it is important to get used to using like we're not used to using like let's say like in india they'd use a lot of lentils in their dishes and things like chickpeas and the great thing is, is they're really, really cheap and they're great cupboard staples to have. But I think provided I make sure that I'm having a bit of vegan protein at every single meal and even things like I can make a tofu scramble in the morning, which might sound strange, tofu but scramble. honestly, it's absolutely delicious. And you put loads of turmeric on it as well and you have it on toast. And again, loads and loads of nuts, seeds, like I have a little jar of seed mix that I'll throw all over a salad. Um, tofu is also a great source there's calcium as well in that and I think like a lot of even dairy products are fortified but equally a lot of plant-based products are too so a lot of plant-based milks might be fortified with calcium and b12 as well um so you know just becoming a little bit more savvy about the fact that meat and protein you know whilst that does make sense I always go back to what if people have allergies? What if they actually can't eat dairy? And interestingly, um, yesterday I hosted the press launch with Delicious Ella, Ella Mills, who was absolutely phenomenal, but she actually healed herself. She became very sick through eliminating meat and processed foods from her diet. So I think 
of course, it's important to look at the basics, but also scale it back to what if someone is allergic to eggs? Mm -hmm. Where would they get these nutrients that they claim that only eggs have? And it's important not to isolate those kind of people as well. You're listening to The Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare with me, Carl Henry. As ever, if you have any questions whatsoever, you can email us. It's realhealth at independent.ie. Okay, so let's talk through uh, meals. Anytime yes. we bring pe- kind of people who are into food in or they're bringing books out like, like yourself, I love chatting through kind of breakfast, lunch, dinner and snacks because that's something okay. that our listeners want to hear. They want to yeah. know, like we had, you know, we'd Roz, we'd Indy in, uh, we've had Orla Walsh in, we've had lots of food people and we always ask these questions because it's really interesting. It's like, mm. okay, what do these people actually eat? Yeah. So, uh, Breakfast options. What 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 what's what's on your what's on your list of, of breakfast options? What are you having? Really like in the summer, especially since it's been really warm. Um, I love a good smoothie and simple things such as learning that like avocados can be frozen, bananas can be frozen, berries can be frozen as well means that you're not worrying about I need to have that fresh. Obviously, fresh is ideal, but literally I might throw. Um, I make my own almond milk at home as well. I'll make, make like a big... your own almond milk? So easy. Again, you literally just soak almonds for four hours, a uh, pinch of salt, tiny bit of vanilla and maybe some maple and you blend it and then put it through a nut milk bag. Honestly, it takes three minutes and it's so delicious. <laughs> I love how you say nut milk, but nut milk bag. I know, like yeah. Like husband at home. But wow. again, you know, you're finding these things. Like years ago, I was looking for these things kind of and you can buy... Um, of Amazon but equally now you can go into any good health food store like there's a I have a great relationship with Down to Earth because I always which is on Georgia Street and they're brilliant in there but I go in and I'm like can I get this or what about this and they'll find it for you again um, but also things like this are becoming so mainstream like even now supermarkets like Super Value their health food sections are just yeah, they're expanding. enormous yeah. so typical breakfast might be um, almond milk is the base of a smoothie maybe uh, a banana some berries I might throw in some flax seeds into that uh, definitely some chia seeds as well to kind of bulk it up um, and maybe some dates if I wanted a little bit sweeter and mm-hmm. that's really really thick um, you could put it in a bowl you could add some granola on top or else uh, if I wanted something a little bit more savoury maybe some avocado on toast and I love loads of like apple cider vinegar Ooh, and yeah. again yeah and again I might just like say toast some hazelnuts just for a little bit of texture and throw that on top and that would be more of a weekend breakfast. Again, it literally takes maybe 10 minutes, but sometimes these things need to be enjoyed. And I love making, um, I'm trying not to have as much coffee at the moment, but I love like making a matcha latte at home as well with the almond milk, which froths up. So that to me is just gorgeous. And then moving into colder months, maybe a bowl of porridge. Oh yeah, loving porridge. We Can't all go love, wrong. What do you have on your porridge? Very important question. It's yeah. all Very, I'm, a, I'm a porridge, porridge lover uh, to say the least. It's all about the time. And I love a little bit of crunch. So definitely uh, some sliced almonds, uh, maybe some raisins or cranberries, that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, I love storing a little bit of almond milk at the top as well, just to make it really, really creamy. Nice. Okay. <laughs> so they're good breakfast options. Again, nothing. And if people listening in, they think vegan, they think extreme, they yeah. think, uh, oh, I can't do that. Actually, from what you're chatting about there, it's all very sensible. Actually, you know, avocado toast, smoothies, yeah. a porridge, they're what we all eat. So there's no major changes there. Lunch, lunch options? Lunch, what I will say is I work from home and um, I try not to leave the house because otherwise I end up wandering around town. And these are the perils of working by yourself sometimes if someone <laughs> isn't holding you accountable you have to do it yourself so usually what I will say is in terms of dinners so I'm going to be answering two questions here for dinners I'll usually make a big big casserole or else I might make a tray of roasted vegetables maybe some brown rice definitely some hummus and some salad but I'll always double the recipe because for lunch I kind of like to just assemble a few bits and pieces together equally if I'm going out or maybe going to an event I like to take food with me because one it's much more cost effective and you know two if I'm honest I I actually almost prefer my own food Mm -hmm. unless I'm in like a nice restaurant or something like that um and what I do say to people is um if you are making the choice to bring more plant-based meals into your diet um 
I, I still do think that eating out can be quite expensive. Like I would cook about 80% of my own um, food. So it is about kind of just getting a little bit organized at home and having your hummus and your roasted vegetables and some rice again to just throw into a stir fry because that's the bit that takes a little bit longer to cook. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, yeah, just double up your quantity so you kind of have it to hand. Okay, so basically batch cooking is a big thing with you where really you'll cook two important. or three portions and you'll kind of batch it, batch it and keep it. Yeah, and things like, say, for example, like rice. Um, again, I'll always just have loads of that because you can just equally if I'm doing a really quick stir fry um, I might just throw some veggies into a pan maybe throw in some cashew nuts as well um, and then the rice and that can be done literally within 10 minutes you know the longest part is actually the chopping and it's about obviously like I've written a cookbook and I adore cooking but from a practical point of view like I'm not interested in spending an hour cooking every night and I you know I think that would take the fun out of it it's about maybe taking a little bit more time at the weekend but during the week keep it practical keep it simple keep it practical yeah um let's talk business a little bit I suppose um I suppose when people think and they see kind of bloggers yeah. and books, like, oh, it's almost instant and it's fabulous and it's overnight success. I know. That's not necessarily the case, is no, it? No, no, not at all. Well, originally, I actually graduated from fashion journalism back in, oh my God, like, is it 2006? Probably, yes, a long time ago. And I was lucky enough that I first actually worked with um, Barbara Power in The Independent in the Weekend magazine and I had a column there. But the reality of media and even say, for example, now, like we're talking on a podcast, which 10 years ago, I, I don't think podcasts existed 10 years ago. The only thing guaranteed is change and your career. If you enter into the media world, you're going to have to constantly upskill and be aware of change. And I suppose for me, um, as I became vegan originally, I was working as a contributor stylist on Expose and um, I started to build up my social channels that way. And then just as a little like an extra, like in the evening, I might have shown like what I was cooking or whatever. And it really surprised me. Like Snapchat, I don't actually use it anymore, but Snapchat was great because you could see if people were interacting, if they were taking screenshots of things. And I remember like I might have showed, say, maybe an eyeshadow or a lipstick or whatever, and it might have got, I'm just throwing it out there, but maybe about 20 screenshots. And I remember one weekend I was making, um, they're, these, they're in the book actually, but um, chocolate chia cookies. And I showed the recipe Again, just really casually, almost like slightly embarrassed. But I, you know, I just felt, listen, you're sharing a little bit of my life. And I woke up the next day and there was over 100 screenshots. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I realized that gradually social media kind of became a tool. And it was really helpful if I was doing an event in Kerry. I'd say, can anyone recommend great places to go to eat? And it became a brilliant way. I suppose, one, for me, it was very useful. But equally, I was able to then share good content for other people like, you know, if you're going down to Cork, here's a few great restaurant mm-hmm. recommendations or places to try out. So the food thing sort of, it wrote itself. It wasn't like I consciously said, I'm going to start sharing more food. Um, and yeah, just gradually over the years, it became a lot more of my content and I started putting more of, um, you know, investing in my own education. And then how the book actually came about um because she was there yesterday for the press lunch, was Susan Jane White, who I love, who has her Mm -hmm. own phenomenal cookbooks. Um, She made our wedding cake and her publisher's Gail contacted me after the wedding. They said, we were wondering, would you be interested in giving a cookbook of hers away to your followers? And I was like, sounds great. But also, I'm just wondering. And I feel like in a way I was really chancing my arm and I said, how would I go about pitching a cookbook? And anyway, I kind of followed up a few weeks later and Deirdre who is now my editor agreed to meet me in Coffee Angel and we had a chat and I kind of told her what I was all about and she said put together a pitch and I did and then two weeks later they said good but no oh no <laughs> I know okay. yeah yeah and, and, and I have to just be realistic but again when you're freelance like I do think I've become a little bit resilient to those mm-hmm. kind of things um 
And then she was like, but we're open to reading the next one. So then I <laughs> went away again and then I put together another pitch and then they were like, good, but the recipes aren't good enough. And then I was like, okay, I appreciate this. Because to be honest, long term, you do need people actually encouraging you to raise your standards. Mm -hmm. And to bring out a book is a big deal. You you know, just because I'm making something simply at home in my kitchen, it doesn't mean that there's a value on that for someone else. You know, you actually have to really try and, I suppose, bring interesting ideas and concepts to people. So anyway, it was third time lucky. I went away, did another pitch, better recipes, more education and Honestly, I put my heart and soul into it. And finally, they said, yes, we think this will work. And it was a really it was a really emotional moment. But I think in some ways the rejection is a good thing because Mm -hmm. it helps you raise your standards. I'd encourage everyone to be resilient. You know, God's delays are not God's denials isn't, you know, an expression I really I I think is is good. But um, I think I was also aware that this opens up a whole new um, a whole new level of work that I'm not necessarily used to. Like Mm -hmm. I've always written and contributed to other publications. Whereas when you put your own name on something, it needs to be the best it can possibly be. So anyway, the rejections paid off. Yeah, so two two knockbacks and then you eventually got there. Yeah. But surrounding yourself with a team who are very straight, very honest, who are pushing you out of your comfort zone and pushing you to be even better. It's actually a good thing. It is. And also, I do think it's really, really important to, you know, to have people say that's not good enough. And I'd hope in my lifetime, I never can't hear that from someone because ultimately they mean well. And, you know, for them, obviously, there's an enormous investment in terms of actually printing and, you know, obviously things like, you know, there's photography involved, there's food styling, there's everything like that. And I, I'd never like to become so proud that I can't hear people say that can be better because it always can. And it's similar to even in training. I always remember you'd say, you know, 10 more and you think you can't do it, but you can. And we should all, you know, be surrounded by people who aren't afraid to tell us, keep going. And what's next? Final question. Where's Holly White going from here? Oh my God, are we into the final question already? Do you know, who knows? Um, A few exciting collaborations around the book, but the reality is just back to work and I'm kind of my own person at home. So just trying to keep my website and my content as busy as possible and keep things fresh. And yeah, we'll see where it goes. So Veganish is the book, a gentle introduction to a plant-based diet, yeah. uh, available in bookstores nationwide. Yes. And if people want to follow you on social, where can they follow you? Hollywhite.ie on everything. I'm most active on Instagram and Facebook. Fantastic. Holly White, thank you so much for coming into the Real Health Podcast. Thanks. The very best of luck with the book. I'm going to make one or two of those recipes, uh, hopefully over the next few days, and we'll post them up online as well. So Woo-hoo. thank you for coming in. Thank you. Folks, that's another episode of the Real Health Podcast done and dusted. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode and today's guests. As ever, you can email us. It's realhealth at independent.ie. And don't forget, the Dublin Podcast Festival is coming up very, very quickly on Friday, the 28th of September. We're doing a live Real Health Podcast where we're going to talk all things health with amazing guests and lots and lots of fun as well. Have a great week. I'll talk to you next week. Leia Healthcare. It's good to live. Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry.